As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It began long ago. Two young boys in an American town riding their bikes to school and Little League practice. Over the years, the boys became fast friends, united in their love for stories where things would go horribly wrong. Pour yourself a strong beverage and buckle up. You're in the shallow end with Schneebly and Toth. So I was talking to my sister, um, Lindsay, and she told me a story of a friend of hers. He was uh, getting married. This is a, a shallow end moment that, that he had. He was getting married and uh, his family and his fiance's family were all flying to Hawaii. That's where the okay. wedding was going to be. Pretty romantic. And so it was a big group of people that, uh, that were flying together and they could not get seats next to each other, the bride and the groom. So she sat oh. right behind him. He was in a middle seat and she was in the middle seat right behind him. Okay. And he told my sister that uh, during the flight, he thought it would be funny to reach back between the seats and uh, grab her leg. And, oh boy. And so he does this and he, he keeps moving his arm in his hand further and further up, up the leg until he starts <laughs> hearing her laughing. And so he turns around and he's actually feeling up his future mother-in-law. And, and she looked at him and said, I just wanted to see how far you'd go. Nice. That sounds like a fun family to be marrying into. Like you're marrying into one fantastic family. Good for mother-in-law. <laughs> yeah, she seemed to really enjoy it. Uh, and good for the uh, good for his fiance for uh, <laughs> finding humor in it. <laughs> Indeed, I had a friend that I flew with a couple of times and regretted it both times. Um, <laughs> he he. This was a long time ago, and he brought um, a can of Dintymore beef stew on the plane with him. This is back Ooh. when you know you could do that. Without them taking it away at uh, at the TSA checkpoint, right? So I'm sitting there next to him, and he he pulls it out of his backpack, and he opens it up. It's one of those pop lids, and he dumps it in an airsick bag, and he hands oh, me the bag, God. and he says, "Here, hold this, and look sick." And so I did, and he rings for the cabin attendant, who comes up and goes, "Oh, I'm 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 sorry, sir. Let me take that." And she starts to reach for it, and he grabs it out of my hand and goes, what, are you crazy? Not while it's still warm, and then starts eating it? Oh, my God. See, this is the kind of thing that, uh, well, it would get oh. you thrown in jail these days. Yeah, yeah. Makes you pine for the days of yore, doesn't it? <laughs> 
or at least a can of Dinty Moore stew. <laughs> Do they even make that stuff anymore? I don't know. Let me check. Boy, talk about a, a time and place. I mean, I can picture that label. It's still available. Wow. You can get a, uh, a can of it uh, at Walmart for $3.12. Hmm. Hmm. Did you know uh, why it's called Dinty Moore? No idea. Uh, Moore opened his establishment 38 years ago. He was a close friend of George McManus, the cartoonist who dubbed the restaurant owner Dinty. Huh. McManus later gave the name Dinty Moore to one of the characters in his comic strip, and Moore himself then gave the name to his restaurant. Well, that's cool. So it was a restaurant before it was a beef stew. Sounds like, and uh, I'm just thinking, I hope they send us some free Dinty Moore for this for this uh, free plug. We should have been plugging large screen TVs. <laughs> that's right. If that's your strategy. Or uh, high-end sports cars. You know, Alfa Romero, what a, what a lovely brand that is. <laughs> it is Mercedes-Benz. Well, if you're ready, I, um, I'm going to jump in here with, with a story. Please hit me with a story. Buddy. Okay. Going to tell you a story that's, um, well, two things that we both love, uh, ridiculous and hilarious. All right. And it does, not surprisingly, involve a bumbling criminal. I love this already. But so much more. <laughs> now what would you pay? But wait, there's more. It involves not just a bumbling criminal, but also a home improvement store and a bunch of people not wearing pants. So. Ah, man, this is a recipe for perfection. It happened just a couple of miles from my house here in Florida. Really? In fact. But let's start from the beginning. Good call. Our villain this day is a guy named Milton J. Hodges. Um, Milton was a man who thought he had the perfect plan to rob a Lowe's department store here in Florida. Hmm. Hmm. Armed with a gun, Hodges strolled into the Lowe's, which is, as I mentioned, not far from where I live here in Florida. It's uh, located in Kissimmee. Okay. He goes in with his gun and goes up to the, um, the help desk and demands money from the employees. Now, here's where things get a little bit strange. <laughs> Hodges, <laughs> I can just picture this, this in my head. He was wearing a really bad fake wig, a large fake mustache, and a cowboy hat to uh, so, conceal his identity. Super Mario Brothers in the Old West kind of a thing. Yeah, I was picturing like the cowboy from the village people, but yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So he's wearing this wig and fake mustache and a cowboy hat. Um, needless to say, he wasn't exactly blending in with the crowd, with the home improvement shoppers. Sure. Understandably, the employees, fearing for their lives, uh, handed over the cash, which is really the proper way to respond to something like this. They always sure. tell you, don't try to be a hero, just hand over the cash, we'll deal with it later. But right. when Hodges tried to make his escape, things took a turn for the worse. Uh-oh. So he's wearing, you know, this big fake mustache and uh, a wig and a cowboy hat. The cowboy hat. And he's carrying a gun, a pistol, and, and he runs out of the store carrying his sack of loot, not looking suspicious at all. No. Totally blending in. It is Florida, after all. He had an idea to make his getaway. 
and he had thought this out. He didn't bring a car to Lowe's. He came on foot, and he thought, well, what I can do is I can run behind the Lowe's and then leap over the fence and disappear through the neighbor's yard. (laughs) Now, it was a big concrete wall, and there was a dumpster up against it. And so he stacked some boxes, climbed up on the dumpster, and leapt over the wall right into the Cypress Cove nudist resort and spa. (laughs) (laughs) So not only is he not naked, but he's wearing a fake mustache, a wig, and a cowboy hat. Talk about not blending in, right? He was pretty, pretty obvious. (laughs) Who's the new guy? (laughs) (laughs) Newbie. And so at first he didn't realize that he had leapt into the Cypress Cove nudist resort and spa because there was nobody right there on that side of the wall. So he he starts running through the resort uh, dressed as a, I don't know, like the cowboy from the village people carrying a gun and and a sack of money. He quickly drew attention from the nudists. Yeah. And he might have been able to get away with it if it had not been for these pesky naked people. Um, The (laughs) residents of Cypress Cove were not pleased to see an armed robber making his way around their resort. So they decided to take matters into their own hands. (laughs) And boy, did they. Um, (laughs) The nudists used their bare hands... And, and maybe some other body parts too. But they used their bare hands to take Hodges down. They tackled this guy. Wow, tackled by nudists. Yeah. And then they pinned him down until police arrived. <laughs> so he's lying on his back with four naked guys straddling him when the cops wow. showed up. You just have to believe, Lindsay. Yeah, someday. <laughs> so the police, they show up. When they get there, they could not believe what they're, what they're seeing. They found not only... At this point, I guess somebody, somebody in the nudist colony had some handcuffs. That's a whole other story, It's a whole right? different story. Uh, so they had let him up and handcuffed him, but they were, he was still surrounded by naked people. So he's, right. he's sitting on the ground handcuffed with a fake mustache, a cowboy hat, a bad wig, (laughs) his guns on the ground, his cash is strewn everywhere, and he's surrounded by naked people who are mocking him. Mocked by nudists. Have you ever been mocked by a nudist? I have not, but the year ain't over yet. So clearly Hodges didn't do all of his homework by researching, oh, what's on the other side of the wall that I'm going to jump over. I mean, it could have been like a, um, uh, a training facility for attack dogs. For all he, he, he knew. See, I didn't go there, but, but that's a very good point. Yeah, you're right. He, of course, didn't know that Cypress Cove was right on the other side. Now, this is one of the largest nudist resorts in the country. And, wow. And this particular day, they were having some kind of a big event, so it was a particularly busy day at the resort. There were more people there than normal. I, mean, I don't know, maybe it was bingo or something. Yeah, lawn bowling. Lawn bowling is always big. Bocce ball. With the nudists, yes, bocce ball. They loves them some bocce. So it didn't take them long for certain nudists with a unique set of skills to bring him down. 
and a set of cuffs. And a set of cuffs. One resident set of cuffs. One resident reported using his quote karate skills to disarm lodges. <laughs> I'm picturing Austin Powers, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. A naked Austin Powers. Do I want to see a nudist uh, perform a roundhouse kick? No. No. No, <laughs> no I don't. Roadhouse. So so he, he used his karate skills, and he said, while he was doing that, another nudist grabbed uh, Hodge's ankles and brought him to the ground. What's it like to have a nudist grab your ankles? <laughs> Hodges, of course, as I mentioned, was surrounded by naked people when the cops um, showed up. And the nudists were not shy about showing off their <clears throat> assets. Anyway, Hodges was arrested and charged <laughs> with armed robbery. But that's not the end of his problems. Really? You see, the news outlets across the country picked up the story. And uh, most people thought that was pretty hilarious. So now he's in prison <laughs> after being taken down by naked nudist ninja warriors. Um, that's got to be a tough story to explain to your cellmate. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's not one you're going to be proud of. Hodges became known as the Naked Bandit, even though he wasn't the one that was naked. Um, that's, that's the title they gave him. And again, hard to live down in the prison yard. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think. I think every criminal contemplating a life of crime should know that you don't get to choose your moniker. Yeah, you know. Yeah, they they will pick the nickname, and and you got to live with it. You can't. You can't go to some <laughs> some nickname court and appeal the decision. You know, <laughs> I wish to be known as the Lowe's Bandit, not the Naked Bandit. Request denied. Yeah, sorry, pal. Or, sorry, naked bandit. <laughs> so, so he goes to trial. The evidence against him was, of course, overwhelming. He was found guilty and sentenced to 10 years of incarceration and in-prison humiliation. Wow. That's a hefty sentence. And, of course, in prison, he was unable to escape his infamy. Um, his fellow inmates quickly found out about his naked encounter with the nudists and make sure to remind him of that on a daily yeah. basis. Yeah, I can't imagine that crowd is going to leave that one alone. <laughs> so what have we learned about during this story? Well, for starters, if you're going to rob a store, maybe leave the fake mustache and wig at home. Um, and if you're going to jump a fence, make sure you know what's on the other side. Yeah, a quick Google map uh, check would have shown him exactly where not to go. Come on, people. Technology. We're living in the age of, te of technology. We need you to focus. Most importantly, we, we learned that even in the most unexpected places, there are people willing to take a bite out of crime. And uh, in this case, it happened to be a bunch of naked people who took down an armed robber with nothing more than their bare hands. I'm still fascinated why a nudist would have a set of handcuffs handy. Is that a, is that a, like a sexual thing? I, or? I'm wondering if they were like fur covered, you know, like. Yeah, maybe, pink. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, that would have been even better, right? The cops show up and he's already he's already wearing <laughs> pink fur handcuffs. <laughs> oh, yeah, and they let him keep those and take them to prison yeah. with him. Yeah, mm. we'll, we'll we'll just use these. Thanks, nudists. Thanks for the cuffs. I got my uh, information from an article in the Orlando Sentinel. <laughs> 
Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. When Johann Rahl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. But what it actually was, was a warning, delivered to the Hessian colonel, letting him know that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware and would soon attack his forces. The next day, when Rawl lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two Colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at constantpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You're an elf. You're a short little elf. You live in a tree and spend your time making cookies. But lately, you can't seem to lose any weight. And on that little body of yours, a few pounds are really noticeable. Introducing Elfera, the revolutionary weight loss drug just for elves. Most weight loss pills increase feelings of fullness, boosting the metabolism, breaking down fat, and using it as a fuel source. But new Elfera is different. Elfera changes the way elves think and feel about food. So it just doesn't taste the same. And they end up eating less. In just a few weeks, most elves have dropped significant body weight. Elfera should not be taken by full-size humans as the pills are too small to see. Unless you're an elf. Elfera may not be covered by elves' insurance as it's still considered experimental. Elves should not operate heavy machinery or attempt difficult math equations while taking Elfera. Side effects may include elves thinking they're taller than they really are and picking bar fights with full-size humans. If you're an elf, talk to your elfin doctor about new Elfera. The email address is lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. We've got a, uh, several emails, but this one really jumped out. This is from a, uh, a woman named Sheila. She says, uh, years ago, I had driven up to Phoenix to visit my sister. And while there, my little Mercury Capri hatchback had some sort of trouble that meant I couldn't drive home Sunday evening because naturally I waited to the last minute to try to start the car. <laughs> While missing work wouldn't have bothered me much, I knew it would bother my boss plenty, so I decided to bite the bullet and spend the money I didn't really have to fly home to Tucson. Now, it speaks to my general level of immaturity that only this second do I wonder for the first time why I didn't consider a bus ticket. What, buses were beneath me? I have no idea. Anyway, my brother-in-law said he would get the car fixed and drive it down to me in Tucson. And here it is again. He would take the bus home. Well, in all my splendid stupidity, I let him drop me off at Sky Harbor Airport, which I still think is the most poetic airport name ever. And I agree with her. That's, yeah. that's, that is the best airport name in America. And as I was walking toward the gate, it occurred to me, oh, yeah, I'm carrying a loaded gun in my duffel bag. Oh, no. <laughs> that's right. A sweet little Smith & Wesson revolver with six bullets. The reason I carried it was I had been dating a police officer at the time who had recently put away some members of a motorcycle gang. 
he had been recognized when we walked into some all-night restaurant. Oh, and he boy. told me that this gang's favorite revenge on cops was to pull a train on their woman. Oh, my God. Google that in no, case you need to. No. Hence the gun in the car, only now not in the car, in my bag as I'm walking toward the <laughs> gates. As only someone truly deserving of claiming residence in the shallow end can, I naively thought, well, maybe they won't notice. Bold as brass, I walked up to the inspection conveyor belt under the sign, quote, do not attempt to carry firearms beyond this point. <laughs> Keep in mind, this was before 9-11, like that's any excuse. It was late at night, the area was pretty empty, and the guy watching the screen looked very bored. I said something like, how's it going? He didn't say anything to indicate he found my remark witty or me worthy of notice. <laughs> the bag rolled across, I picked it up, and started what I hoped was a casual meander down the carpet, even while listening for the sound of boots pounding down behind me. <laughs> behind me. Nope. None. Wow. Nothing. Wow. I boarded the plane. And while I'm putting my bag up, it occurs to me to wonder if maybe I was wrong the whole time. Maybe I didn't have the gun with me, so I zip open the bag. Yup, the gun's right there. <laughs> no. For a moment, I wonder if I should call over a flight attendant to say, can you believe what some idiot just let me do? <laughs> but the smartest thing I did that night was to realize how truly, madly, deeply shallow end that would be. I never have figured it out since the duffel was lavender, and cl I clearly wasn't that smart. Did the guy just assume the shape was something like a blow dryer? <laughs> I don't know, but I know that I, never will I ever attempt to carry a firearm beyond that point again. I would like to say, quote, if this keeps even one person from doing what I did, unquote, but I don't think even one person would be dim enough to try. <laughs> Yeesh. Before sending this, I tried to figure out online if the statute of limitations for this has expired. <laughs> and while the penalty looked severe, yeah. I think, I think there was a five-year expiration on charges being filed. Okay. Here's hoping. I'll let you know. <laughs> Love your guy's show, Sheila. Wow. Sheila. <clears throat> she should have uh, titled that story, Pulling a Trains, Planes, and Automobiles. There you go. We could rename that. That just that just scares the hell out of me. And and her point about a pre nine eleven world is a very good one mm. because now you see YouTube videos and TV news reports about you know somebody who's truly innocent um, forgetting they have packed a yeah. you know a, a yeah. gun in a backpack and the hours and hours of interrogation mm -hmm. and oh god it's just horrific. I mean it just. I, I freak out sometimes wondering if I've left a pocket knife in a backpack when I fly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't travel with weapons as a rule. <laughs> Cat, on the other hand, no. does. And uh, Well, how many times has she run afoul of Disney security now? Was she oh, up to half a dozen? Oh, at least. And, and TSA, <laughs> you know. Everything from um, those pointy, spiky knuckle things, you know, like, brass knuckles with the spikes on them she had that right. on her key ring as you know self-defense sure forgot she had it uh she has been pulled over or pulled aside at disney for a leatherman a jackknife this not not at the same time this is these are all right. different events right. yeah you want to spread these things out <laughs> <laughs> it's just wisdom and then one day we were at Magic Kingdom and she reaches in her bag and she goes, and we're in the park. And she goes, oh, my God, <laughs> I still have my taser. Holy moly. And they hadn't caught it. 
And so she's like, well, will you, will you, because we were going to park hop. Will you take this uh, back to the car for me? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so I, I threw it in a plastic bag that, uh, you know, I got from one of the shops and I just right. strolled out and, uh, and dropped it uh, in the car and came back. And sure enough, when we went to the next park, oh, they tore her purse apart that time. And she, wow! I don't know what would they would have just confiscated it. I'm sure they run into that kind of thing all the time. But uh, yeah, that's crazy. It is. That's crazy. So well, I'm glad she, glad no one was hurt. And let this be a lesson, kids. Yeah. Leave your taser at home. Yeah, and and if you see us at Disney, don't cut in front of us. It's just a word of <laughs> caution. That's, yeah, take my word for it. Have you ever wondered what really happened to Amelia Earhart or the lost colony of Roanoke? Do you ever find yourself scouring the internet for vicious Victorians and their murders by gaslight? Or perhaps you're just sick and tired of women being constantly misrepresented or plain lied about throughout history? If so, join me, Katie Charlwood, history harlot and reader of books on Who Did What Now? The history podcast that's not your history class. Part of the Airwave Media Network. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Adios, au revoir, au revoir, zen, my friends. Bye-bye. I'll be seeing you. Hello, everyone. It's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. You're in the shallow end with Schnapply and Toth. I got a I got a story for you, JG. Do ya? This is actually from a listener named Sarah, and I am so grateful to her for <clears throat> turning me on to this because this is this is probably one of my top five favorite stories uh, in the history of this podcast. <laughs> this is just this this one is just priceless. This is set in a small town in northern Tennessee called Rogersville which is not far from the Virginia border. This event took place uh, in July of 2004. And this was actually uh, so funny that it made Jay Leno's Tonight Show monologue two nights in a row. (laughs) When you think of a jailbreak, you typically think of something fairly well-planned, right? A well-planned breakout. Well, I also, when, when I think of Jay Leno, I don't think of anything funny in his monologue. So this will be kind of. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, come on. Where were you, where were you hiding that one? <laughs> I'm a Kimmel man. What can I say? Uh, okay. Well, that explains it. Uh, almost always, I think you'll agree, prisoners are recaptured pretty quickly mm-hmm. after something like that happens. But this one's a bit different. It's uh, nighttime, July 2004, and two inmates managed to escape this jail through a fire exit 
and make a hole in the exercise yard fence, 11 o'clock at night. They then proceed to walk to a nearby market just a few blocks away from the jail. Now, my first thought was, okay, you've got escaped prisoners. They're going to rob the place. But no, they simply went there to get some beer. And a pack of smokes. No smokes, just the beer. Okay. I would have, I would have suggested the smokes, but yeah, just the beer, hmm. which they did. But they didn't steal it. They bought it. They paid cash. And rather than head for the hills, they walked back to jail. <laughs> they just wanted a they beer. Sn- sneak <laughs> back in through the exercise fence, through the, uh, through the door. They returned to jail to share the suds with their buds. So now remember when they went into the store, were they wearing like the uh, quintessential prison garb with the stripes? An excellent, excellent question, JG, cutting to point out exactly how smart and intelligent an observer you are. They were wearing street clothes, and we're going to get to why in just a minute. So picture this. You got a bunch of guys slugging back cold brews, having a grand old time. Yeah, man, we may be in jail. It may be hot outside, but we got us some cold suds on a hot summer night. But as most of us who've been to parties where beer is flowing, you know that sometimes the host hasn't planned things through. And that's exactly what happens here. They have run out of beer. Oh, no. It's only been about an hour since they returned, but they've already run out of beer. So what do they do? Well, they pick two different inmates because, you know, you don't want to be conspicuous. No, no. So two other inmates go out the same way (laughs) and they buy beer, but they were smart enough to go to a different market and they do the same thing. They pay cash, they walk back to jail, and they continue drinking until about 2.30 in the morning when they were found out by jailers. Now, at the time, Hawkins County Sheriff, a guy named Warren Reimer, said the breakouts were the result of a door lock detection malfunction. Apparently, this uh, told jailers that the cell doors in cell block E were locked, but they weren't. Sheriff Reimer said that earlier that night, a jailer had accidentally put a key in a fire emergency lock release, which opened all the electric doors in cell block E. Now, the jailer realizes what's going on and thinks he's fixed it. He reactivates all the locks. The control panel goes to all green lights, which means all the cell doors were locked again. Hmm. But 2.30 in the morning, jailers discover that the fire escape door leading to the exercise yard in cell block E was open. It was being held open by, get this, a small Bible. Okay. (laughs) Proving that God indeed does provide, right? (laughs) He works in mysterious ways. It was later discovered that the control panel light had malfunctioned and was also indicating that the door was locked, even though it was open. So a search of e-block reveals a large quantity of empty beer cans, (laughs) including a few that had not yet been consumed. The total amount of beer brought into the jail that night was reported as three 12-packs and an 18-pack. That's 54 cans of beer. Wow. So here's what's going on. Inmates are allowed to keep cash to spend in the jail commissary, and 
the jailers believe that these guys pooled their funds to buy the beer. I just love these names. The, the four inmates who were now facing escape charges, Riggie Dean Coleman. I just love that first name, Riggie. Riggie. R-I-D-G-Y. Wow. Never heard that before. No. J- Jimmy Joe Stapleton. Jimmy Joe sounds like he belongs down south. <laughs> David Wayne Blizzard. And uh, I, I just think that's a cool last name, Blizzard. And then I kind of feel sorry for this guy because his name is kind of plain. David Allen Hopkins. Yeah. David got the short end of the stick when they were handing out interesting names. Cool prison names. So to your point, how did these guys come to be wearing street clothes rather than the orange jumpsuit? Well, Sheriff Reimer said that the jail had been overcrowded. They had 83 inmates, which was a fair number more than they were built for. And they'd run out of orange jail issue uniforms. (laughs) So the inmates that had wanted to go get the beer borrowed street clothes from other inmates. And I'm sure if you said, hey, buddy, can I can I borrow your slacks? I'll bring you back some beers. Right. I was like, sure. That's a fair trade. Yeah. Take my jeans, please. Wear my slacks and uh, I'll get a bud (laughs) in return. So Sheriff Reimer said uh, on, on the bright side, and I love this. He says it could have been worse because all 36 inmates in cell block E could have tried to escape, but didn't. And at least the four inmates that did leave came back. He said, I guess they thought if they came back, they wouldn't be charged with escape, but they were wrong. It's an unfortunate incident, and those inmates involved are going to be punished. It wasn't really anybody's fault. The control panel and the doors were locked. Or I'm sorry, the control panel said the doors were locked, but they weren't. We've had those malfunctions corrected. All four inmates were charged with escape. And I love this one. Introduction of intoxicants into a jail. How's that for a charge? All four of them were later sentenced to additional jail time. That is crazy. Breaking out of jail for beer. Got this from the Kingsport Times News in Kingsport, Tennessee. One of the stranger beer runs that I've heard of. Um, but did you know that that's why the Pilgrims settled in uh, Plymouth Colony? They, For beer? They ran out of beer. I did not know that. It's true. Drinking water had its uh, its share of uh, downside and dangers back in, in those days. And so when they traveled, like on the Mayflower, they brought a lot of beer. In fact... Um, one gallon of beer was assigned to each person on the Mayflower daily. A gallon a day of beer? Of beer, yeah, yeah. And so wow. they ran out of beer before they got to where they ultimately thought that they were going to go. And so William Bradford wrote, uh, he complained uh, in, his, in his journals that he and other passengers were quote, hastened ashore and made to drink water, that the seamen might have more beer. So they they had to go to shore and get uh, clean water from the streams and uh, make their beer. And then they just decided to stay. So the American dream began as a beer run. It did. Wow. I love that about this country. God bless America. Anchors away, matey. Note to Bud Light, there's your next campaign. (laughs) 
Thanks for hanging out with us, you guys. We love hearing from you. Lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. You can send us your your comments, uh, your suggestions, your shallow end dip or your friends. Uh, we love getting them pre-recorded on your on your smartphone. You can just send it in and we'll we'll edit it up for you. We love hearing the stories in your own voice. Yep, but if you just want to uh, send it, send the dialogue, send the text and all text along, we're happy to uh, to oblige and read it on the air. Shallow End Podcast, lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. We'll see you next time. Remember to make good choices. Your life might depend on it. So concludes another episode of The Shallow End with Schnebly and Toff. We thank you for listening. Oh, be a dear, would you? Please subscribe to this podcast, give these boys a five-star rating, and think of something nice to say, even if you have to make something up. And visit us online at shallowendpodcast.com. Okay, you gotta go. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! Cheers!